Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie App, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, February 25th, 2022, and today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page XV, that's Roman numeral 15, the forward to the second edition, and we're going to be reading the third paragraph, the spark that was to flare, um, reading through that one paragraph only. And today, today's readers are, and thank you for your service, service for the month of February, for the 12 steps, Sally B, 12 traditions, Terry J. Reading the text are Chris M and Anne-Marie M, and Barbara E is our backup. And the newcomer greeter is Karen W, and the host of the second hour is Chris G. The reference numbers for Thursday, February 24th, 2022, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 18,593, that's 18593, and for the 10 a.m. meeting is 18,594, that's 18594. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sally B. to read the 12 steps. Thanks, Katie, and thank you for your service. My name is Sally B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm calling in from Illinois. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service and have a nice day. Thank you, Sally. I will now ask Terry J. to read the 12 traditions. 
Terry, star one. Barbara, could you jump in with the 12 traditions? Yes, of course. Barbara E. in New Jersey. The 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for Overeaters Anonymous membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively, or whatever our particular issue is. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the person with food issues who still suffers. Six, an overeaters group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, Overeaters as such ought never be organized, but may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you so much for jumping in, Barbara. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page Roman numeral 15, the forward to the second edition, the first page of that forward in the third paragraph the spark that was to flare into the first AA group 
um, reading through that paragraph to the end, which ends with dependence upon God, and we'll be commenting on that one paragraph only. And I will ask Chris M. to begin reading. Thank you, Katie. This is Chris M., Recover Compulsive Overeater from Ontario, Canada. Excuse me. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day. He had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members, and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence on God. So this morning, um, I was feeling, I I feel compelled to say that I was feeling kind of uh, intimidated to read this chapter and and feeling like, oh my goodness, like what am I going to have to say about this? I'm not, I'm no historian. Uh, I, I, I don't know all of the information. And then my higher power just reminded me to relate to it through my my experience. So that's what I'm going to do. So a couple of things that struck me this morning was the spark that was to flare in the first AA group. That word, the spark, really resonated with me this morning because that's how I felt when I first um, came into my first meeting. I felt that spark. I felt that connection with the fellows in that group that welcomed me so warmly and I knew that I was one of them and I knew that this is where I belonged. It took me a month to come back but the spark was there. So I really resonate with that. The other thing that I really connected to this morning and that I feel like my higher power is wanting me to comment on was the last sentence. Um, Though he could not accept all the tenants of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief and dependence upon God. That speaks to me so much today. I've, um, you know, the moral inventory, the daily moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, um, and then, of course, being helpful to others and, you know, accepting my powerlessness and belief in my higher power you know, the God as I understand him. That's what I have to do every single day in order to stay connected with my higher power and to stay out of the food and the the old me and that I don't want to be anymore. I want to be a person of character, a person that can help others and a person that can, you know, confess when I'm when I've done wrong and and if I harm others, I want to be able to, you know, recognize that and make amends and live those amends, be helpful to others. And I never thought that I would feel the necessity of belief and dependence upon God, but I feel that today. And I know that that is the only way that I'm going to live the way I want to live with integrity and to be the person that I want to be. And I'm thankful for all of you and for the opportunity to be of service this month. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this third paragraph on the, in the forward to the second edition? Liz E. UK. Liz E. Barbara Linda. E. Melissa C. Barbara E. Melissa C. Linda D. Linda D. Okay, I have Liz E, Barbara E, Melissa C, and Linda D. Jennifer C. Jennifer C. Christina L. Christina L. Hi, good morning. This is Victoria L. from Muncie, Indiana. I'd like to share. Okay, Victoria L. Okay, well, that's a good Dorita, group. Let's Dorita stop. P. Okay, we'll stop with you, Dorita. Okay, I have Lizzie, Barbara E., Melissa C., Linda D., Jennifer C., Christina L., Victoria L., and Dorita P. Go ahead, please, Liz, followed by Barbara E. Good morning. My name is Liz Eve Elegant from Recovered Compulsive Overeater from England in the U United Kingdom. Thank you, everybody, for your service today. Um, oh, what a beautiful paragraph. And isn't it just amazing? We just read one paragraph and it kind of just speaks to us every day. Um, and I'm just like struck by this all the time and that this program is just an amazing thing in my life. And that word spark, yeah, that has fired a spark in my life. Um, I didn't know, you know, I'm 59 and only in the last decade have I come across OA. And I didn't know that I had a problem, but that has given me a spark of hope coming to OA really working the program through the pandemic has given me new revelation. I've been introduced to new fellows who are recovered. And just to encourage anybody new on the line, just speak up. I've no idea what I'm going to say. I ask God to speak through me. And you can't get it wrong. You really can't. And it's so important to speak up on the line. And then, isn't it just amazing how here, um, this kind of great summary of the program, which he put here, you know, though he could not accept all the tenets, he was convinced of the need. And for me, the big uh, I, a thing in the last two years has been understanding my character defects or behaviors, the things that I sabotage, I press the effort button, I do things that myself that make a mess in my life and I destroy relationships or wreck them and I am learning how to do life um, and it's just the most beautiful thing um, there was something else I was going to say but it skipped my mind so I'm going to leave it there thanks a million and thank you for hearing my voice uh, take care pass Thank you, Liz E. And Barbara E., you're up, followed by Melissa C. 
Barbara Good Star One. Okay, yes, there you I are. Just did. Okay, well, I was going to say this is Barbara E from New Jersey, but I like elegant so much better. So I think I'll switch it to Barbara E for elegant. But I am from New Jersey. And what struck out at me was um, new groups started up and it was found to the astonishment of everyone in a, that AA's message could be transmitted in the mail as well as by word of mouth. Now, as a former fourth grade teacher, we used to play the game of telephone. You may remember that. One, one person, one child, would whisper a message, a word even, a sentence, to the next person in line. And that person would transmit what he or she thought he heard and then transmit it to the next. And by the time all 23 or 24 people had heard this message by telephone, it had become, become diluted, even changed completely. But here, the word of message by AA no longer had to be transmitted by, if you would allow me, telephone. It could be in black and white and, and seen by so many more people. And of course, um, Dr. Bob was very interested and explained to Bill what the Oxford group tenants were. And the Oxford group tenants can be found, I believe, on page 263. And in the book, um, he sold himself short, which I think might have been written by Earl Trout. Um, but I'm not a word scholar, not a book scholar by any means. I just know that I want to read the text. I want to understand it, digest it, marinate it, and think about it. And if I heard about it and didn't get to see it in black and white, I might misunderstand what the actual meaning meant for me. And while the Oxford group was a religious group and focused so much on prayer, but skipped some of the things that Bill and others added to the book to make it 12 steps, I am so very grateful to all of you who are participating in my recovery every single day, and not just to this wonderful big book group, but to many other groups that I can Zoom to all over the world by the miraculousness of technology, to Australia, to India, to New Zealand, to Ireland, and everyone suffers from some form of our affliction. And it's, as be it's so beautiful because our recovery, thank you, our recovery is as different as our fingerprints. And we all recovered in different ways. But this group can keep us in recovery, recovered, if we follow the message and take those steps and, and take a shower every day, a shower of the big book, that is. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Linda D. Melissa, star one. 
Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. Are okay, you there you are. Sorry. Yeah, yes, I had you a can. Phone problem. Thanks. I, I'm Melissa Same, a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and <clears throat> you know, I read this and I think, um, okay, so even the time frame kind of freaks me out. It's it was just six months earlier that he'd been relieved, that Bill had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. And and that happened when he had a quiet talk with a friend, you know, who um, who wasn't lecturing, but who was demonstrating. And now, in turn, Bill is doing the same thing, and these sparks flare, you know. Um, so I read that, and I think, um, you know, friends can be messengers and our demonstration and not our preaching or lectures and then good information and and that was supplied you know primarily by Dr. Silkworth who understood the allergy and who could speak of the importance of abstinence and not just moderation which was really important information for me it, it kind of explained why nothing else I tried worked um, and you know that and it's also important to note that this is grave like this is deadly serious condition and not just kind of this minor problem um and i have to know that too i have to know that this is a grave condition um and that it can't just be this is a problem that can't just be remedied by knowledge you know it we're told that truly this problem can only be arrested by one thing a spiritual experience. And, you know, when I say it's like namely a miracle, you know, we're people who must have a miracle. I'm a woman that required a miracle, and I still do. Um, But we're really lucky because we have the ingredients for how to create a miracle. Like, I don't have to dream it up on my own. Um, I'm told there's step-by-step directions for experiencing a miracle, confessing my defects. You know, moral inventory, making amends, being helpful, and needing and believing and relying on God. And, you know, I think about the order of this and how believing and relying, it's interesting that it starts with belief and reliance, you know, because I know that I need a miracle and I'm going to have to rely on that miracle. But it kind of comes full circle. Um, you know, I'm, I consistently need daily action and disciplining practice um, so that I can um, continue to believe and rely on God. And, um, you know, what calls to my attention is that I have to be convinced of the need, and um, I am today. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Linda D., you're up, followed by Jennifer C. Good morning, everybody. Hi, Katie. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. Um, I'm astounded to be, I truly am astounded to be living a miracle and witnessing your recovery and my own every single day. I came to this program a long time ago as a crippled child in an adult body and I was dying I was fortunate that I knew that not in, not fortunate to be it but 
fortunate to know it and to apply myself to these steps and the outline in the book to the best of my ability. And it's many years later, and I am living in and centered in God. I was an atheist. God had to show up big time, no fooling around. This has to be real, because I'm sure I'm right. I'm such a smart ass. Polite about it, hiding it, but that's what I was. I'm not now. I need help every single day. I get it every single day. And a lot of it is from you. A real lot of it is from you. Life takes great courage. It is very beautiful, but it takes great courage. And I get it from your strength and hope. And even if you think you're new and you don't know much, you know a hell of a lot. I learn a lot from you. I am so grateful for you. And I send you, everyone, my love through God. That's it. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Linda. Okay, uh, Jennifer C., you're up, followed by Christina L. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, Jennifer C., thankfully, uh, miraculously recovered one day at a time. So thank you, um, Melissa C., for pointing out, you know, just the the need to to see See the need, right? Like, I got to see it. And I, I don't know what I don't know. And I can't see what I can't see. Um, grave nature. This book tells me that the first step of my recovery is that I have to fully concede to my innermost self that I am sick. Um, can't go anywhere without that, right? It doesn't say I have to get my first step assignments done. It doesn't say I have to listen to 16 podcasts on on step one, it says that something has to happen deep inside of me where I concede to the grave nature of having this alcoholic mind. Grave nature beneath the ground, marked by a tombstone. That's what grave nature means. Beneath the ground and marked by a tombstone. I have to admit that my way of life um, has to die so that I can live a new life. Um, I personally had to believe that this disease wanted me dead. Like, not inconvenienced, right? Like, not a few extra pounds, not just not reaching my full potential, but spiritually, emotionally, physically dead. And my disease has a full-time job of convincing me that it's not that bad. It's not grave. That's a little extreme, right? Minimizing it. That's my disease's full-time job. I have an alcoholic mind that wants to convince me that I don't have an alcoholic mind. The necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. Dependence. That word dependence, part of the definition is to be controlled by, right? Like there is a need to be controlled by this power greater than myself. I cannot be in control anymore. 
And it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual process of letting go. It's a daily surrender. It's me gradually becoming more and more convinced of my need, of my dependency, of my need to die so that I can live a new life of dependency on God. So I concede today fully to this alcoholic mind. I destroy myself with my own hands is what this book tells me. I make decisions based on self that are based on lies. And so step one, God, please save me from myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you all. Thank you, Jennifer C. Christina L., you're up, followed by Victoria L. Good morning. Thanks for your service, Katie. This is Christina L., a recovered compulsive overeater from Safety Harbor, Florida. And I really just got a lot from that last year. Um, the the thing that really stood out to me this morning was um, basically the same thing that the last person that shared said was he um, he had learned of the the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism, and I really appreciate people also bringing up the word spark, and that really got me thinking about the spark when I came in too. Um, although I can't really remember feeling like a positive spark maybe it was positive but it was really uh clouded out and more fear that i felt because i was absolutely terrified when i first walked into the rooms but there was something that was read and i believe it was the 12 steps um in those first couple of meetings that i went to where i heard something and I'm guessing it was probably, you know, the third step because that was where probably the first, second, and third step because that's really where I was at. I knew that I was a compulsive overeater. I had experienced that prior to coming in, although I had been to maybe one or two OA meetings like 17, 18 years earlier, which I didn't even remember at that time. But, um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, but okay, yeah, the second, the first, second, and third step. I knew that I was a compulsive overeater, and my my experimentation in the in the years that followed, from you know those first couple of OA meetings that I ever went to, you know, I didn't believe. I didn't want to turn my life over to a power greater than myself. I didn't want God's help. Um, I was very much self-reliant at that time, although I still am today. I still slip into that self-reliance and constantly have to remind myself. Um, so anyways, I don't know that I really learned the grave reality of this disease when I first came into program. I don't believe that it was until I started listening to this meeting and someone cracked open this book in the doctor's opinion that I learned. Um, not only that, but also through my own experiences of realizing, you know, just how how serious this disease is and everything. And though I don't like those lessons by any means, I I have to say that I am grateful for each and every single one of them because they have brought me closer to my higher power, to my God, who I choose to call God. Time, please. Um, 
and for that I'm grateful. So thanks for letting me share. Have a great day, and I pass. Thank you, Christina. Okay, Victoria L., you're up, followed by Dorita P. And let me just take a second to remind people where we are so they can think about sharing. Um, we're in the forward to the second edition, the third paragraph, the spark that was to flare into the first AA group. Reading that one long paragraph and commenting on that, or not reading it, but just commenting on that. Go ahead, please, Victoria. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Victoria L. I live in Muncie, Indiana, and I'm a grateful, recovered, um, compulsive overeater. You know, I struggle really deeply with this program, and um, I've had a long history of relapses, and I'm knockwood currently out of the food. <clears throat> you know, in the corporate world, they have the saying that drives me crazy. It's the crawl, walk, run approach. And then OA, for me, it's crawl, crawl, crawl. And why is that? It's because I have a secret. The whole point of Overeaters Anonymous is to develop a relationship with a higher power and to have a connection to that higher power. And, um, you know, and, and what I love is that we get to define our own conception of a higher power. You know, HP can stand for Harry Potter if you want. I can call my God great outdoors. And it says in the big book, um, you know, inside every man and woman and child lies the fundamental idea of God. And the important part of that is inside. You know, God dwells within us. It's not out there. And I was having a um, conversation with a recovered member last night, and we were talking about the fact that it feels like in a lot of meetings, people talk about this conception of higher power as something outside of us. It's not out there. It's inside. I can't describe it, but that's how I feel. And, you know, when it says that he rejected some tenants, um, the tenants of the Oxford group, the other thing we have to be really careful of is I've been to OA meetings in different states where they close the meeting with the Lord's Prayer. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, I was raised Christian, but if we close the meeting with the Lord's Prayer, we're essentially alienating every other religion that's not Christian and not, not based on the Lord's Prayer um, and potentially offending someone and causing them to leave the rooms of OA premature, prematurely. And why do I struggle with food so much? Because I have to find out what's blocking me from my higher power. And what's blocking me from my higher power, I used to think, was the food. It's not the food. It's my self-will. It's self-will run riot. And the steps help me work through all the stuff in my life that self-will run, run riot to get connected. You know, intellectually, I understand this program. I'm in another recovery program. In the last year, I've worked the steps three times. But intellect isn't going to solve my overeater problem. You know, they say self-knowledge gets us nowhere. And my intellect can't help me recover from the food program. I have, I suffer from a lack of power. And the only thing that's going to help me recover is by developing a connection with a higher power. And the other thing I want to say, which I've shared before, is that that power isn't my sponsor. My sponsor is not my higher power. You know, we talked a lot about it, and I've heard other people share on this um, after I shared about it as well. If you put your sponsor on a pedestal, they're going to fall, fall down and topple off on top of you. Several sponsors that have sponsored me are currently out. And, um, and, and we are, there's no hierarchy. Sure, I'll just wrap up with this. There's no hierarchy in OA either. We're all one person sharing our experience, strength, and hope. And it's experience, strength, and hope we share 
not advice, opinion, or direction. Thank you for letting me share, and thank you everyone who does service on the line on a daily basis. Thank you, Victoria. And Dorita P., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares. Thank you. Hi. Can I be heard? Yes. Oh, thank you. My name is Dorita Pippen, and I'm uh, grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of, and also I'm timing myself, so you don't need to time me. Thank you. Um, I, um, I'm grateful to be here. It's a privilege to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, so I'm really grateful to be here. And um, I'd like to echo what the first uh, uh, share said about, uh, you know, just speaking up you know, just speaking up, and I'm really grateful that I could speak up today. I wasn't going to speak up, but I, I, I saw that the list was getting, you know, there was air. So I said, okay, well, maybe maybe I need to fill that air. So I'm just really grateful. And so uh, we are on uh, the fourth to the second edition, uh, third paragraph. Um, so, yeah, the spark that was the flare into the first AA group was struck in Akron, Ohio. Um I love Akron, Ohio. I live and am from Cleveland, Ohio, so Akron is only like 45 minutes away from me. Uh, and I also miss Founders Day every June 10th, every uh, June 10th weekend. Um, but we haven't had it in the last couple of years, you know, because of the pandemic, and I really, really miss it. Um, but, um, yeah, um, you know, um, you know, this grave nature I can you know what? It's funny because, you know, when I put my name on the list, what, 10 minutes ago, I had a million things to say that would take way longer than three minutes to say. But I'm just going to pick out this grave nature uh, of alcoholism or the grave nature of our disease. And I think uh, that's missing as far as from some of the meetings I, I have seen. You know, you know, but when I came in, you know, they talked about the grave nature so so much. I felt like, okay, well, if I leave this meeting and go to McDonald's, I'm going to die. You know, that's how grave they made it seem. And that's true. I mean, that's a possibility. So I'm just really, really grateful to be here. And I was just sharing with somebody uh, yesterday, I think it was, you know, that, you know, I'm struggling a bit with the food. But uh, the good news is, you know, there is a solution, and I know what what that is. And so I I just want to close with saying, um, you know, my mission right now uh, is also to, you know, make people feel welcome. I'm getting ready to start another afternoon meeting. Afternoons are good for me. And um, I um, my mission is to make people feel welcome. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Dorita. Okay, and as I said, we're on the third paragraph on page um, XV and this forward to the second edition. So who else would like to share who hasn't shared in the last two days? Lisa Ann Wisconsin. Amy G. Lisa A. Katie G. Lisa Katie G. Harlan G. Harlan G. Harlan G. Harlan G. Okay, let's see. I don't even know what time. 15. Okay, so I heard a Lisa. And Pedro B, I got Pedro, Amy G, Katie G, Harlan G. They're not related to each other. 
Okay. Um, I think that's a good group for these 15 minutes that we have left. So, Lisa, I'm sorry I did not get the initial of your last name, followed by Pedro, then Amy G, Katie G, and Harlan G. Sure, no worries. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, it's Lisa N, as in Nancy. Okay. And I'm from Wisconsin. And um, the thing that I thought was so beautiful was the analogy on the spark that was to flame into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio. And to me, the spark that was to flame was God. And it was in the heart of the doctor, the physician in Akron. And that flame of compassion, I'm sorry, I keep bumping the phone. That flame was the compassion in his heart for alcoholics and people um, who were so miserable and addicted and dying and his compassion actually lit the way or gave hope to Bill. And um, it was like Bill was sitting in the dark. I can, I feel like so often I think of myself before this program just sitting in a, at the bottom of a well in the dark and, and no, couldn't see anything, couldn't even see the ladder that was next to me to climb out. And... Um, that that light, that compassion in the doctor's heart lit the hope that Bill needed to to feel like there was something he could see. And and what could he see? He could see that it was something he would need to do. He would need to change. And he wouldn't be able to do it alone. And how he decided that he needed to help others was also God, right? That then then the compassion and the desire was transferred. So from the doctor's heart to Bill's heart, all of a sudden Bill, he wanted to help others. And um, that's what I want. I want that compassion to stay in my heart for people like me, for, for alcoholics. I love the alcoholic meetings, the AA meetings too, like emotional sobriety. Um, that's what it is. I've got to be, I've got to be sober in more, more ways than just the food. Um, but anyway, I just, I thought that really what that spark was, that it was God and his love for us and the way he doesn't want us to be bullied by something dark and something evil. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lisa. And okay, Pedro B, you're up, followed by Amy G. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you very much. My name is Pedro B. I live in San Bernardino, California, and a grateful member of OAA and Vision for You. I want to thank the lady that encouraged uh, me to speak up. My disease wants me to be quiet so it can work on me. And I want to thank everyone to share. Um, really, is uh, really I need you. I need. Uh, God, I need this uh, program, and I need the fellowship. And my disease does not want me to believe that. Anyways, I I really uh, working on uh, on a new program because my program uh, killed me. You know, uh, so many things I heard this morning that uh, 
so encouraging to me. You know, the, the old Pedro had to die. He had to die. I was a dead man walking anyways. That's a word, you know, death. You know, to be miserable and, and to and not living, you know, because uh, living it takes uh, is something that is completely different from not being sick. Being sick is one thing, but you know what I mean? Anyways, I, I'm uh, I'm glad that old Pedro is dying and, and uh, the new, you know, this, this, the spark, right? The spark. I mean, I live in California and we have uh, fires here and all it takes is one spark, right? And then they're, they're using it like for something that is good, my recovery, the spark that can, that I can recover. Um, so anyways, uh, and, uh, and and one of the things I heard this morning that that I that I can relate to is that uh, my problem is my self will. I, I get in here a sick man, right? That's the first step. I'm a sick man, and and uh, and, and I've, I've been running my life all this time on self will, and now I have to seek God's will. You know, I, and my friend gave me a roadmap. And I, I was pondering this morning as to what is the most important thing for me today. And he says on page 85, he says, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Not some of the activities, not sometimes, but all my activities today. So how do I do that? I need to have a connection direct. A hundred percent in every now, now I need to be connected to this power that wants me to be happy, joyous, and free, because I can be connected to myself. Right? I need to know what my will is. My will did not work. I have to seek God's will. Time, and please. It, thank you very much. I'm going to continue seeking God's will for me today. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. Okay, Amy G, you're up, followed by Katie G. Hey, good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone, for such an awesome meeting. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. What stood out for me today is the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. You know, Bill could have just stopped at necessity of belief, but he understand and understood by then that belief just believing in was not going to be sufficient. Me just doing step one and two is not sufficient. Step three says we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. When we say turn, I could say we could have said step three could have been, you know, made a decision to depend on God, you know, the short version of step three. Because for me, dependence is indicative of action, right? Faith without works is dead. I can believe I'm powerless. But unless I do something about it and I have the power to do so, nothing changes. So this dependence, this word dependence means so much to me. And I'm so glad it was added here. I think it was very specific for Bill to put that in there because he knew that belief would not be enough, but dependence would be. And that's the way it is. And for me, you know, initially it was just dependence on, you know, God to, to, to help me with my program, my steps, my abstinence, and now being blessed with a few 24, my dependence on God is like the last share. It's all. It's in everything. I'm depending on God because if I don't depend in that way, I'm going to try to depend on myself. 
and my self-will. And then eventually the great idea is going to come up into my mentally obsessed, triggered mind that putting food in my mind, putting food in my mouth and depending on my food is going to be a good idea. I don't want that craziness anymore. I want to believe in a power greater than myself and I want to depend on that power. And that has worked for me. This program, it does, this program and these steps and this fellowship is all to point me towards God. It's a spiritual malady. And unless I'm willing to fill that hole in my soul with this belief and this dependence, then I won't stay recovered. I take it very seriously. Like others have said, this is a grave illness. And without a power greater than myself and that dependence, that action, the work that has to come along with it, then I will not recover. And I'm so grateful today to say that, the, that I can be one of those miracles because this program does work and it points me to the power that I need to recover. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Okay, Katie G, you're up, followed by Harlan G. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for taking the meeting. And yeah, everything that Amy G just said, man. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, um, I must believe in a power greater than me. Um, one of the things that our book says is there's one thing we need to change, and that's everything. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding force of my life, have to be whatever, changed, and, and, and a whole new concept. And Dr. Bob says in his story, if you are atheist or agnostic, I feel sorry for you. The word God is throughout the first 164 pages. Why? Because it, like our previous speaker said, I have a disease that wants me dead. It will settle for me eating. It will say eating is okay when I'm doing the step work. When it's not, it'll say I'm connected to God when I'm eating. I can't be. I can't worship two masters. And for me, what I'm finding is that um, none of the first 164 pages are optional. I can't just say I believe in God and God is you know, good orderly direction, that God is um, is this uh, program of Alcoholics Anonymous, of Overeaters Anonymous, and if that's working for you, that's awesome. But I have to go deeper. It's a many of our fellowship choose outside religion, and I'm not saying that, but because they have to grow in understanding and effectiveness and purpose. You know, God has delivered me from anorexia, from bulimia, right, those actions that, that I took. But the fatal malady, I do not have alcoholism. I have alcoholism. So abstinence is my problem. My problem is I don't know how to live my life. I'm always in the future, um, trying to resolve and clear away the future that never happens. I am the dry drunk who's visiting my family, who is loving me. And I'm like, oh, excuse me, you love me, but I need to go home because I need control and I don't want to be with you and I don't want to play anymore, right? This, is, this disease hits every aspect of my life. It's not just eating and it's not just not eating. Right, And it's not just saying, oh, it's not about the food. It is about the food because I'm an alcoholic. If I tell you I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer or I'm doing diet cocaine, you tell me I was crazy. You know, the other thing it says is this, and Harlan's going to tell us about it, this need for moral inventory, confession of shortcomings that came from the Oxford group. Right? We have to, or I have to continue, continue, continue in my step work. Why? Because it's all about God. 
It's all about God. And it's not just saying, I believe, I believe. It's depending, which means for these 24 hours, God, where would you have me go? God, what would you have me do? God, what would you have me say and to whom? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Harlan G., you'll be our last share for today. Thank you, Katie, and thank you for your service, and thank you for the opportunity. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. One of the things that prior to COVID I love every year, and I adore this, is going to the OA birthday in January in Los Angeles, California. What a wonderful convention. What a wonderful opportunity to meet everybody and talk to everybody and hug everybody. Just wonderful. And one of the things that occurs at the OA birthday every year is people go in the morning to the beach in Los Angeles and watch the sun come up. And that's great. And they come back and they say, what a miracle. What a miracle. And that's great. But when I looked up miracle, what I found as a definition is an occurrence to which there is no scientific, somebody's unmuted or something. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, an occurrence to which there is no scientific explanation. Let's take a look at the paragraph that we just read. Bill was not really a stockbroker, although he self-describes as a stockbroker for the purpose of simplicity. He was a stock speculator, but was he special? Was he deserving of such a thing? When you look at what his life was like on paper, absolutely not. Yet he changed the world he lived in. Dr. Bob was a wonderful man, but look at what these people did. It was nothing short of an unbelievable miracle. Moving forward in the paragraph, he comes in contact with the, uh, who, who came in contact, excuse me, with the Oxford group. Ebby Thatcher, Edwin Ebby Thatcher. Ebby Thatcher was about to be remanded to the insane asylum in Vermont. And he was about to be remanded to the insane asylum in Vermont because he was behaving in a way, drunk driving, usage of a shotgun to get rid of some pigeons, things like that. He was about to be remanded to Brattleboro, Vermont, to the insane asylum because of his inebriated state, yet he got recovery in the Oxford groups of, those, of that day, passed it to Bill Wilson, miracles, Dr. William D. Silkworth. Dr. Silkworth formulated his opinion by observation. There was no scientific evidence that he was right, but he was 100% spot on. And Yale University, in their alcoholic studies program, proved his theories every semester. And the Oxford group had these tenets, and he couldn't accept all of them. What couldn't he accept? Absolute love, absolute purity, absolute honesty, and absolute unselfishness, because he knew that as humans, we were going to fall short of that. When I say he, I mean Bill Wilson. And that in closing, because I'm out of time, we are all recipients of these miracles, and we are miracles, and we can be miracles to those who are still suffering. We are miracles. Those of us who have recovered are living, breathing miracles. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for your service, Katie.
Thank you, Harlan. And thank you to everyone who shared and everyone who was on Team Friday for the month of February. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, February 25th, 2022, 7 a.m. meeting is 18,601. That's 18601. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And we've had a scheduling change. Will Barbara E. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning again, everyone. It's Barbara E. So grateful to be with you. Page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.